Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. In the name of Jesus Christ, may in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, stagnancy, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented in your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to guide it with your high and uplifted hand, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed, you may be seated. I will read the place of scripture that is familiar to us all, the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the speed of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God into righteousness and holiness. This word is called the right to set aside the former way of life in order to be clothed into a new way of life. And for this goal, the Lord had placed in the church the fivefold ministry. He placed first apostles, second prophets, and so forth. And we hear for some time now these three verbs to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. Abiding in this word, we will be able to enter into the unity of faith, it is written, so that you shall not be as infants who are swayed by all kinds of winds of teachings, all kinds of different breath of teachings, but for you to come to unanimity in faith. And in this way, when we dwell in this word, and when we dwell, when we dwell in such a way that we all together are immersed, we come to unity in faith and we become one. We become people who are taught. And according to scripture, we have heard that a person that is clothed in a linen, pure and bright, we are talking about what does it mean to be clothed? First, to be clothed in the garments of salvation, to be clothed in the robe of righteousness, crowned with the crown of the bridegroom, adorned with the ornaments of the bride, clothed in wedding garments, six clothed in linen, pure and bright, and seven accepting the representative power of Yahweh of hosts, as it is written in the book of Isaiah chapter 61. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. 
My soul shall be joyful, joyful, my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. The Lord wants to show this righteousness. He wants to be glorified in His saints, and He will be glorified through the fruit that we bring when that garden that is sown in the heart of a person will produce fruit. We have stopped to study the second point, clothed in the garments of salvation, or rather the robe of righteousness, and specifically the measure of that price that we ought to pay for the right to be clothed into the robe of righteousness. And we have already gone over six prices, six components of this price, and therefore we will turn to the seventh component. The seventh price for the right to be clothed in the robe of righteousness in order to fulfill the judgment of God so being clothed in the robe of righteousness is a person who carries the justice of God in his essence. This is being clothed into redemption, yielded in the observance of the Pesach of the Lord according to the statute that has been established by God. John chapter 6 verses 53 through 58. Jesus said to the disciples, most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. This is the establishment of the law of grace. A person must dwell on this word and eat of it. And we know that the Lord has said that when a person could not partake for whatever reason in the Passover time to partake to this Passover celebration, then it is said that if he will be impure or he will be on the way, then he must do this exactly in one month, in the second month, on the 14th day. He had to fulfill the statute of Pesach along with all of its requirements, and just as it was done exactly a month ago. But whoever will not fulfill Passover, he will be destroyed from among the people because he violated the law. God gives an opportunity, a second chance to do the Passover, but each person, each holy person, is called to fulfill the Passover statute. Therefore, we are being clothed in studying of those principles and those statutes of God, how to fulfill, how to fulfill this feast so that it truly is a feast, not just for us, but for God also, first and foremost. The Pesach feast, even before the creation of the world, was 
intended by God to become the blessed fate of all of those who come to Him, in whom God received the opportunity to fulfill judgment over His enemies who reproached His chosen remnant. The essence of the promises of Pesach was comprised of this, in the right to leave out of Egypt, which symbolizes the right to freedom from the vain life or the sinful inheritance passed on to us through the perishable seed of our fathers. Second, in the legal right, this promise of God, what God wanted to achieve in man and to see in man when he would fulfill the Pesach feast. In the legal right to enter into the promised land, symbolizing the right to partaking to the inheritance of saints, a certain inheritance that God gives. We are called to be partakers of it. We are called to fulfill our role in this partaking, to enter into the promised land. Third, in the legal right to know God and to be perfected in the image of His Son in the process of our communication with Him, to be transformed into the image of Christ, and in this is the grace of God. Fourth, the legal right to prepare ourselves to rapture upon the morning star and in the right to rapture itself. So the purpose of Pesach is to prepare, to prepare and for us to enter into this inheritance in this feast, in this celebration, for us to have the right, to receive the right, and to use this right to be raptured. Practically, in this list that is contained in the Pesach feast that comprises the essence of our inheritance and our faith in Christ Jesus, we gain, firstly, these seven different blessings. Firstly, the first blessing is protection from the righteous anger of God with simultaneous of bringing to fulfillment the judgment of God over our enemies. Second, we gain an organized partaking to the blood and to the body of the Lord in the face of the heavenly Jerusalem, which points to the fact that, in fact, we become partakers of God's heritage, not at the moment of circumcision, but in the moment of eating the Pesach of the Lord in which we know God. Third, we gain the opportunity to proclaim and declare the death of the Lord, so that in His resurrection we can triumph over sin and exchange fates because during our worthy partaking of Pesach, the blessed fate of the Son of God becomes our fate, and our curse becomes His. Take a look. Worthy partaking. There is an unworthy partaking. He who unworthily partakes, he sins before the Lord, and he becomes guilty against the body and blood of the Lord. Fourth, we gain freedom from slavery to Egypt, which also became possible thanks to worthy partaking of Pesach according to the statute. And fifth, we gained the right to healing from illnesses, as is written. He also brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among them, because it is specifically in the moment of partaking of Pesach, God receives the right to relocate our illnesses and weaknesses on His Son. Six, we gained the right to be enriched in God which also occurs thanks to the results of our worthy partaking of Pesach. Psalms 105:37. He also brought the Israelites out with silver and gold, 
which again they were called to use correctly to building the tabernacle as we know which they had done and seventh we gained the right to have the land in which flows milk and honey the land in which flows milk and honey symbolizes the new man born from the imperishable seed of the word of god whereas milk and honey symbolizes spiritual food however for these treasures of the Pesach feast, these seven blessings that are the treasuries, the treasure of the new man, for the man that has been born of God, containing in itself the heritage of God and the righteousness of God, for them to become reality for us, Scripture imputes to us the necessity to fulfill ten conditions that highlight how we ought to prepare and eat of the Pesach lamb. These ten requirements are written in the twelfth chapter of the book of Exodus. Let us list them. First, this is separating the Pesach lamb. He had to be separated over three days. Second, to remove all leaven from the home. Third, to sprinkle the door and the lentils of the door with the blood of the lamb, to break the lamb in fire. Five, to gird oneself with the loins. Six, the sh feet needed to be to put on shoes. Seven, to take up the staff. Nine, eighth, to eat the whole lamb. Nine, to eat it with herbs. And tenth, to eat it in haste. All of these ten requirements we needed to fulfill so that all of these blessings and treasures contained in this Pesach feast to become our achievement. I will remind you that the first condition or requirement of Pesach was to separate the Passover lamb. What does this mean on our end? This means, what does it mean literally today for us? Partaking of the separation of the Pesach lamb, all of us are called to celebrate the statute and fulfill it. We ought to present our body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God for reasonable service. I have gotten used to go play volleyball, you know, at this time. But here I need to take this volleyball, to take my body away from this volleyball and, for example, go to cell group, home church, in order to eat of the Passover lamb. We can bring up lots of different examples, but this is truly when we pierce the lamb and we are called to partake in this. We are partakers of this food. Living, holy, acceptable, pleasing to God for reasonable service to present our bodies and to separate ourselves as a living sacrifice as possible only upon fulfilling three condition, conditions. The basic lamb must be without blemish, it must be of the male gender and one year old. It must not just be separated, but you know, one lamb was separated, we know there were many, and we know that all sheep are pure, but for the sacrifice, one is separated, only one was separated. And what criteria did he have to meet? Had to be without blemish. This means to accept justification by the gift of grace through redemption in Christ Jesus. A person in his righteousness before God does not depend on that which he has done, but on that which God has done. We already talked about how a person loses reliance on himself. A person is born into this world in such a way that he wants to feel his reliance. He searches for something to lean on. He relies on his own deeds. 
we must be not dependent on works. Second, the lamb had to be the male gender, which means in our dedication to God, we ought not to depend on the requirements of the old nature or the rulership of this nature. We must hallow unto God and to consider ourselves dead to sin. And third, to be one year old, this lamb had to be one year old, means to accept the grace in the face of the Holy Spirit and to depend on the Holy Spirit, to be bound, to make the Holy Spirit the Lord and ruler of our life. And this occurs only upon our sanctification and upon our dedication and not some kind of partial sanctification, a partial dedication, but we hear that this is total sanctification and total dedication is what our pastor, the word that our pastor uses, total sanctification for total dedication. This is the first condition. The lamb had to be separated. The second requirement, which fulfills worthy partaking, worthy partaking of Pesach, worthy, the specific word worthy. You know, the Christian world a few times a year, sometimes every five years, they have uh, some kind of, uh, they have uh, the breaking of bread once. We have it every week, the breaking of bread communion. When I was still a young boy, we had the breaking of bread or communion every three times. We try to do it once a year, but this didn't always happen. We did it at once every three years approximately. And I observed that some did not participate because they weren't ready. They had sinned and done something and they weren't ready. They had no justification. But simply partaking does not mean worthy, worthily. We must do this according to the statute. And for this, we are learning the statute, studying it. We must know a statute as, like they say, our own five fingers. We must comprehend it with our heart. This doesn't mean that uh, communion will be in one month this means i need to be patient not sin in order to where they'll partake no we must every hour every minute celebrate it therefore we will celebrate not with the leaven of blemish and sin but with purity and righteousness and truth so the second condition and requirement that yields worthy partaking of pasic is to cleanse from our dwelling place all leaven. Pesic is the celebration of baked breads. This is the Pesic celebration. There was this requirement that was included and without it, it was impossible to worthily partake. This is, do you remember, this was the mixing of the divine with the, with the human intellect, the human mind. Whenever we put lemon, leaven, that is our own mind, our own interpretations, I begin to leaven. And when the sons of man begin to enter into the daughters, or sons begin to enter into the daughters of men, this was the leaven of sin. The third condition or requirement that yields the worthy partaking of Pesach was anointing with the blood of the pierced lamb, the doorpost and lentils of our home. The fourth requirement to Pesach was baking 
the whole lamb in fire. We talked about how a person ought to be tested. He ought to endure the fire. We, eating this Pesach and preparing ourselves to partake, we are transformed into this image. Remember, we always hear about that which we eat of, that or that to which information that we hear, we are transformed into it. When we eat the lamb, we are transformed into his image. He was baked in the fire. We must also endure fire. We must be tested, and we must demonstrate our faithfulness to God. And there the crown of glory can be laid upon us. The fifth conditional requirement that yields worthy partaking of Pesach is the necessity to be girded with, have our loins girded, the our mind, a renewed mind. Our mind ought to be renewed. You know, oftentimes saints uh, ask, how can I know what, uh, if my mind is renewed or not? You know, to memory comes that which Gideon had done. God came to him, the angel of God, and says, take and take away the altar that was in the house of your father, the altar of Baal, take it, destroy it. We are called to take off of ourselves, to set aside our former way of life, because in it, you know, my father, my father was, could have said, Gideon, well, the altar was there, he was born, but the altar was already there. We are born again, but the old nature remains. The old nature which worships Baal, we are called to set it aside, or as we know, we are called to rip off the skin as if, as if we're ripping it off of a living animal, that we must cleanse this place. Our mind must be renewed. We must receive the statue for how to do this. You know, a renewed mind is a mind that understands the statute of God, how to build the altar of the Lord. And then third, to be clothed into the new man is to build ourselves or to build an altar to the Lord and offer and offer the lamb upon it, said the angel, as we know. And we ought to present ourselves in obedience so that God, through the preached word, can clothe us in the church and to this new man. And this occurs only in the church and from the position of the church. And when we hear this preached word of God and when we dwell in it, then this occurs. If I know how to build ourselves, if I have set aside the old way of life, one says, my father was righteous, you know, or my mother was a holy woman. Okay, that's wonderful. But this does not give us the basis in that we are then righteous. We are called to set aside the old way of life, our old man. We are called to understand that we have been born from the Holy Mother, Holy Father, we have been born with already an altar of Baal that was built in our essence, and we are called to destroy it. The sixth condition or requirement that yields the worthy partaking of Pesach is the need to have shoes on our feet. Exodus 12:11 says, And thus you shall eat it, a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, or Pesach of the Lord. Sandals on our feet, allowing us to worthy partake of the Pesach of the Lord, is an image in which we are called to be a light to the world. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 through 15. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In scripture, to be a light simultaneously also means to be salt, which points to the origin and property of this light. Because salt is an image of holiness. Light that does not have in itself holiness is a false light, which represents the interest of the the man of sin and the son of perdition over behind which stands the tempter the angel of god and the angel of darkness one has salt the other lost salt it says that they did not stand in the truth they fell they did not stand in the truth they lost their salt and the sons of devil are those who were gods but then lost salt or became sons of devil. And now they represent interest. There is a certain light, false light. The interests of true light are represented by people that are filled and clothed in the power of true godliness because of which they are carriers of the holiness of truth. And in these words, we ought to pay attention to the command, stand, stand therefore, in which we must be clothed in the robes of righteousness. The staff is a part of the of the clothing. We are called to be clothed in the robes of righteousness, the robes of righteousness He has adorned me with. But if, due to certain reasons of the flesh, whoever refuses to stand vigilant at the door of his heart and accepts a rebellion thought of the serpent, this thought transforms him into the carrier of only an outward appearance of godliness, having denied its power. And this kind of person loses his partaking to the power of salt, and he is thrown out. Take a look at the word he refuses. If whoever refuses, a person makes a decision. It's not that all of a sudden a person turns into wicked. No. He refused, he was offered, he was told to do this or that, but he refused to do so. He refused to stay vigilant and fulfill the statute of the Passover. Matthew 5.13, Jesus Christ said, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Salt and the dignity of the fruit of holiness is the true result that occurs from the action of true light. And therefore, true light is always salt, and salt is always true light. Matthew 5.14 You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. True light in the image of sandals that reveals itself in holiness is a kind of expression which has two polarities, love and hatred. The purpose of light and salt and salt and light in the image of sandals is seen well in the creation of the two great lights and the stars genesis 1 16 through 18 then god made two great lights the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night he made the stars also god set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness and god saw that it was good we are talking about those stars, that sun, that moon, which God had created in us. And therefore, 
To have sandals on our feet means to shine to the earth and to be a salt to the earth in order to separate light from darkness and to rule the day overnight. Satan argues and says, you know, you are saying good works and evil works, but who are they good to and who are they evil to? You know, Israel came out of Egypt. For them, this was good, but for those, it was evil to those that were destroyed, trying to destroy them. Good and evil comes from light, and light comes from God, and darkness comes from the source of darkness, from the fallen cherubim. We are called to separate. And Ephesians 5, 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. To be clothed in the robes of righteousness is to walk as children of light. To walk as children of light is necessary for us to dwell in Christ and for Christ in turn to dwell in us. Because outside of Christ, we are darkness. And therefore, only when we collaborate with the Holy Spirit in the question of our dwelling and keeping ourselves in Christ, when this does not happen automatically, but we must participate, we humble ourselves because the Lord looks upon those who are humble and meek in heart, on those who tremble before His Word. True humility means obedience, obedience to the Word. This is not demonic trembling, this is not this is trembling and humility before the words of God in the words of those people who have been sent by God as messengers. Only when we collaborate with the Holy Spirit in the question of our dwelling and keeping ourselves in Christ, as well as in keeping our dwelling or keeping the dwelling of Christ in us, both of these are important. We Christ in us and we in Christ. It is possible when we worthily partake of the Pesach of the Lord, we become that light of truth which shows salt, separating the true light from darkness. And so, one of the components of the sandals on our feet gives the Holy Spirit the opportunity to place us in Christ and for Christ to place, to be placed in us. And only then do we receive the legal right and the authority to act as children of light and to walk as sons of day. In practice, this means to show salt and the light in the subject of holiness, which represent the interests of God and is expressed in that reaction to good and evil, which at the same time God expresses. Hebrews 12.14 Pursue peace with all people in holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. And we must remember that we are expressing this reaction along with God. Sometimes we might not understand to the end, and we ask a question, well, what is God's reaction to this or that? How must my reaction be? Your reaction must be in such a way that you must be separated from this person. You must stop communicating with this person or with that group of people. Peace with God, we must know, is founded on the holy love 
that is stronger than the death, that is expressed in holy communication with God, in holy communication with saints, and in holy relationship toward our enemies, which in fact are not yet wicked and need salvation contained in the true light. This is our, these are relations, three categories. There is a category, though, that we are called to show hatred to. Hatred is our relationship. This is not in our feelings, but this is in our action. The hatred that we are called to express is towards all lawlessness and towards the wicked. This is the reaction of our love toward God and His righteousness that is expressed in our relationship toward devil and the wicked. God comes to Balaam and says, What are these people that you have? Why did you allow them in your home? How did they end up in your home and are spending the night? Sometimes a person doesn't understand how in sleep he sometimes hears the preached word uh, and doesn't hear it, and sometimes he's given instruction through a dream. Love that does not have hatred towards personified evil cannot be called love. We are talking about the Pesach feast, about fulfilling the requirements and statutes of the worthily partaking of Pesach. And what it means, what it means to have shoes or sandals on our feet. We must always remember and know that the wicked are always enemies and the enemies are not always wicked. And therefore the commandment given by Jesus to love the enemies and to bless those that persecute us, we ought not to be... Uh, the wicked are the devil and his children. That's why any relationship towards wicked people defiles us and it opens in our essence a gap for curse. And any relationship with enemies that are not part of the category of the wicked will either captivate our enemies to obey Christ or is going to be evidence of their guilt for them and God wants us to contact with these kind of people and he wants us to show light to them you know it's important who we are friends with a wise person is behaves in such a way that as he is his friend also becomes in this way that's how we are friends with people but if he does not this is going to be evidence evidence of the guilt of this person the wicked are the fallen angels in that category of people that were previously saints so are organized partaking to the body of Christ and then like fallen angels they had rejected the truth these people is are impossible to renew with repentance. Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. For it is impossible, having once been enlightened and eaten of the gift of heaven and having made partakers of the Holy Spirit and having eaten of the good word of God and the powers of the future age, to once again be renewed with repentance when they once again try to crucify the Son of God. It is impossible to renew them. To crucify the Son of God can only be those people who were previously born of God have become the temple of the Holy Spirit who represented Jesus in the Spirit that has been born of God. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life.
This is for all those who believe. A believer is that person who accepted the seed of truth and who cooperated with the preached word. You know, he accepts and he collaborates when this word is watered and he grows it. He grows this fruit and he is dependent on the order of God. There are those that plant, there are those that water. There is the Holy Spirit who grows. Every believer is a partaker of the body of Christ or everyone who obeys the image of the teaching of Christ, who obeys. Because it is obedience to the teaching of Christ that makes a person an organized partaker of the church. And therefore, when in Scripture we are talking about the love of God to the, toward the world, then this love is spread towards the church, or rather, to the believers or those whom God has foreknew before the creation of the world, who can be found in this world, but have not yet been met with salvation. Ephesians 5, 25-26 For Christ loved the world and gave herself himself to her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word a believer whoever believes are saints are those who voluntarily made themselves dependent on the order of god that is contained in scripture this order is contained in scripture and sometimes we don't find this order sometimes there is no order among christians in scripture there is this order and we are called to find this order as we hear this is to find the virtuous wife, to find that grace that represents these narrow gates, that represents this divine order of God. Thanks to their faith, the faith of these saints, who have made themselves dependent on the order of God in their obedience to the commandments of God or in knowledge of truth, they have been cleansed. And to be cleansed to the knowledge of truth means to be freed from sin or to have authority over sin and therefore having been freed from sin and at the same time making the decision to obey sin means to voluntarily sin and voluntary sin begins when when a person either accepts a rebellion thought there are two options here uh, he accepts a re rebelling thought in his heart which transform him into the image or when a person voluntarily or consciously leaves his assembly two kinds Two kinds of instruments that the devil uses in order to turn people into sons of ungodliness. Having left their assembly, a person leaves his orbit and is deprived of his place and his dignity. Because of which, this person stops fulfilling the purpose of the true light, which represents the salt of the covenant and offering the fruit of holiness. Proverbs 27, 8. Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. A nest for the bird is the place where it can carry eggs and to carry out the fruit of the Spirit. Having left its nest, a bird cannot fulfill its calling. A person cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit in his heart. This is going to be a forgery. This is going to be an outward appearance of godliness. And a person, having left his assembly, cannot fulfill his calling in order to offer the fruit of holiness. Based on the order of God that has been established, the calling of a person is tied to a specific period of time and specific limits that are outlined in the boundaries of his congregation where he can search for God and offer the fruit of holiness. Take a look here. Time. That's why Pesach should be done in haste. There is a specific time 
specific time during which God wants us to find Him and then the time in which we have comprehended the boundaries of our calling and the time that it requires to fulfill them. You see, the priest said, we have no time to do anything. The priests, with their words, they themselves condemned themselves and they called themselves the wicked. They didn't have enough time, but a person ought to have enough time. He must do all things in the right time. Under the exit from our church, we are referring to betraying truth. We can represent the interests of the light and salt in the interests of light only in the dignity of the seventh day in which God found comfort in whom he called the Jerusalem on high in the light of which the saved people will walk as well as the hearts of those who are humble and contrite in spirit. Practically, without having sandals on our feet or without showing light in the subject of salt, we will never be able to fulfill our calling and therefore we will also never be able to inherit our fate in God. If we do not put shoes on our feet and therefore to have shoes or sandals on our feet rather to be light it is necessary to dwell in the light and to allow the light in the face of the two witnesses the word of God and the Holy Spirit to dwell in us to have sandals on our feet is to keep ourselves in the love of God and to express mercy so that we do not show mercy to the sons of anger and the sons of those that resist the truth our mercy must be must be vigilant and we will also mention one other important detail in which the sandals is our dwelling in Christ when we represent and protect the interests of light but for God to protect and represent our interests expressed in his promises it is necessary for us to dwell in God this kind of dwelling or this kind of communication with God requires that we in his presence take off our sandals because when we dwell in God then he carries full responsibility for us and represents our interests before himself before the world and before hell Exodus 3 5 says in another place of scripture uh, Joshua 5 15 and God said do not draw near this place take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground we always hear about how we must not come as inspectors to service. You must not draw near. If you are an inspector, inspector, don't draw near here. Don't enter into this service congregation because it will begin to destroy you. First, take off your sandals out there when you go into the house of God. Walk prudently when you go into the house of God so that when you come in, you ought to come in without your sandals because if a person does not walk prudently or observe his path, he does not prepare himself for listening. He prepares himself to bring sacrifice. Sacrifice. Uh, for this it is necessary to observe or walk prudently. We must come here where there is God's repre- representation, where God reveals himself. It is written about how the height of beauty is Zion. God shows this beauty and a person comes in in his shoes. I'm talking about myself. You know, up until a certain moment, 
I came to service in with sandals, but then the Lord gave mercy to take off the sandals and to not come here. And in general, having learned the order of God and having uh, understood the strictness of the order of God and the trembling, we come not to Mount Sinai. The only people say, we don't even want to go up there, but we have come near to the church of the firstborn. We ought to understand. And when we, having come here, take off our sandals from our feet, then take a look at what happens. When He dwells in us, God begins to dwell in us. The Word of God begins to dwell in us abundantly. God begins to dwell in us abundantly. And then we are called to put the sandals on our feet to represent the interests of His light and salt before the heavenly hierarchies, before the face of the earth, and before hell. You know, I had an incident before. Here we read to represent the light of salt before the heavenly hierarchies. I at one time had sinned in such a way that, you know, I came up to a store, I parked, and in order to take a heavy cart, all of a sudden this heavy cart, I let go of it on by mistake, and it hit a neighboring car. And in the initial moment, I looked from side to side, and then all of a sudden, I begin to feel so guilty. I looked not up at heaven because the angels are all looking at what is happening. All of this is written in the book of life. Uh, the cameras, I started looking at the cameras who's around me. But we know that everything is written, all of our step, all of our movement, our thought is written in a video camera in our essence. There are so many different uh, memory chips that are so small yet contain so much memory but we have a whole body of bones there is so much memory contained in there everything is engraved in it and I looked around from side to side and no one is no one saw that it was uh, Saturday but I already vowed to myself I'm going to go to Danik Danik you must remember I had confessed this sin I couldn't do anything else. I had lost all rest and peace, and then I had to confess my sin, and the Lord take this, took this off of me. But I understood that the angels were ashamed, but then I fixed this situation. And the reason to take off the sandals of our feet in the presence of God is comprised of the fact that first, we are not a light to God, but He is a light to us. And second, we are not salt to Him that highlights the boundaries of His holiness, but it is Him for us that is holiness. When we are found in His presence, we then have no need to step on the serpent because when we are in the place of His presence and His presence, they do not exist. For these enemies, there is no place in the depths of God. Sometimes we ask a question. 
how simultaneously do we put a firm and contrite spirit in us because it is written that we are called to be those uh, are we called to be those with a firm or a contrite spirit before god we must be those that are contrite this means to take the sandals off of our feet but walking in this world in the armor of god we are called to clothe ourselves in sandals and show a firm spirit that is that could not be broken and to show this light and this victory in god so if we take off the sandals we can put it on when we need to and observe the basic feast and to show this firmness to be this light before the heavenly hierarchies before the angels to show this light before the people of the world to be a lamp in the house of God and so forth in the seventh condition there are ten total we're going to talk about the seventh condition and this is a very important condition for how we ought to prepare ourselves to clothe ourselves and then we will talk about how we will eat the prepared Pesach lamb we ought to eat it in a specific way right now we are preparing ourselves we are being clothed in these garments and we take the staff in our hands the seventh requirement that yields worthy partaking of Pesach is a necessity to have a staff in our hands Exodus 12 11 And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Turns out in another hand, uh, one hand I have a staff, and with the other I can eat. This is the Lord's Passover. In different places of scripture, synonyms of the word staff are sometimes brought up as such terms as rod, scepter, with regard to these synonyms, the meaning of a staff is not is not singular. We are given a rod uh, sometimes to measure the temple. There we have scepter, rod, staff, and the measuring measuring reed. The staff in the definition of the rod. This is kind of the first definition that we will cover it is one of the names and dignities of the seed of the woman in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ numbers 24 17 I see him but not now I behold him but not near a star shall come out of Jacob a scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the bro of Moab and destroy all the sons of tumult this is the prophecy about Christ the name of God and the dignity of a staff and all of its interpretations talks about the sovereign authority of God in the physical as well as the spiritual dimension from which it follows that if we are not f familiar if we are poorly familiar with how we ought to collaborate with the sovereign authority of God containing the dignity of his uh, staff we will never be able to arrive at the fate of God that is meant for us and therefore we will not be able to worthily partake of Pesach in order to inherit the life of God that is contained in the worthily partaking of Pesach we are called to understand what this means 
the staff is the name of Christ. Second, the staff in the dignity of a rod is presented in the truth of the word of God that comes from the lips of God, the preached word of God, that is called to serve as for a person as comfort and shield. Jeremiah 1, 11 through 12. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. As a rule, a staff was prepared from strong trees. The end of a staff with which it touched the earth was like like a spear, whereas the top of the staff had had a little hook with which a sheep that has fallen uh, could be taken, or a sheep that was uh, that was stuck in the thorns. With this horn, one could grab some kind of foliage in the image of some kind of promise. We all know this place. We all know this image. How we are able to grasp onto these promises. We are called to have this staff. We are called to take it and have it in our hands. To faithfully see the promises and in a moment of suffering to grasp onto them. This promise is the word that is placed in our heart, and when it is placed in our heart, then we see it faithfully. Then when we, with the proclamations of the faith of our heart, grasp on to this promise, and we proclaim and we call the inexistent as existent. And we in our walk before God, sometimes we go uh, down a hill, sometimes we go up a hill, sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's easy to serve as if we want to jump because it's so easy to serve. Sometimes I want to jump, maybe someone else wants to sing, sing psalms or so forth, but sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it seems like I won't be able to endure it, I might, I might die in this state. To faithfully see the promise during our suffering and to grasp onto it with a proclamation of the faith of our heart means to look upon the inheritance that is contained in the worthily partaking of the Pesach Passover. God had promised. Lord, but you have promised. I grasp onto this hope. By faith, Moses wanted to suffer with the people of God rather than have temporary sinful satisfaction and he considered the suffering of Christ as a greater riches for he looked upon the reward and by faith he left Egypt for he looked to the reward by faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king for he endured as seeing him who is invisible here we see this invisible we grasp onto it we proclaim the faith of our heart from which it follows that if we are not familiar, if we are poorly familiar with how we ought to look at the faith of God with our faith that is contained in the dignity of His staff, we will never be able to see the invisible in order to be firm in our faith. There is a sign in our heart 
write it clearly in the tablets of your heart so that the reader can read it clearly. It could be that these words are not clearly engraved in the tablets of our heart because we don't know them very well. It's as if we hear it, we're kind of familiar, but also not at the same time. But when we study, Pastor always brings up the place of Scripture. Those who do not go to home cell groups, to Yucheki, who do not chew on the word, it's very difficult then going to be to read in their hearts on these tablets. It's as if they hear all the sermons of Pastor, but what at cell group? You know, especially after restaurants, sometimes people gather, they sit down, and I said, there's one sister, she was in a restaurant today because she wants to go to sleep. How do I wake her up? She ate so well, it's warm in the house. She comes in, and then she's falling asleep. It is important to attend. It is important to attend and to be obedient. And, you know, I made for myself a kind of uh, lesson I realized that after church, if I go to a restaurant and I go to cell group, I fall asleep myself. I said, no, in our family, we are not going to go to any restaurants on Sundays. Any other day we can go. But on Sundays after church, if there was no cell group, we can go. But otherwise, no. Because when I eat, I just begin to fall asleep and it's difficult for me. And consequently, we will never be able to worthily partake of the Pesach lamb in order to inherit the life of God that is contained in the worthily partaking of Pesach. Third, a staff and the meaning of a rod was one of the symbols of authority in the carriers of this authority that defined the main deity to which a person worshipped. Authority and power and deity. Hebrews 11.21 by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. He leans. He leaned on his staff. Here's, an ex here's the explanation for why he did this. To lean on the top of the staff means to be dead to the fulfillment of our own desires in order to fulfill the desires of God. Well, that is why he leaned. This was a person who walked before God and fulfilled the desires of God, because of which the staff of Jacob became the staff of God. Otherwise, his worship towards his staff would have been sacrilege. But we must be so grateful to God for this mercy that we are able to understand this truth that has been hidden for many generations and people. The Lord opens it to us in His order what it means. And because the main deity of Egypt defining uh, was the cobra, then the Pharaoh's top of his staff was in the form of the head of a cobra, from which it follows that if we are not familiar or if we are poorly familiar with how we ought to lean on top of our staff, which is the staff of God, we will never be able to collaborate our staff with the staff of God. We are talking about how we had to hold the staff in our hand, and constantly we will never be able to worthily partake of the Pesach lamb in order to have the inheritance of the life of God that is contained in the worthy partaking of Pesach. In other words, to hold the staff in our hand is to fulfill, to fulfill the desires of God, to know the good, acceptable, and perfect will, and to fulfill it, because the desires of God and His will are expressed in His will. A good will 
As easy to understand, some people think acceptable is mediocre, and then perfect for some people seems as if it is unachievable. No, it is achievable. It is achievable through the church, exclusively through the church. If you are outside of the church, of course it is unachievable. Then you're right. Because it is achievable through the church, along with the church, as one body. It come to perfection in the unity of faith, in the full measure of the stature of Christ, into a perfect man, into the full knowledge of the Son of God. Knowing what the staff means, we understand uh, the Son of God. We partake of Pesach, and the main purpose of partaking in this food and celebrating this feast is to eat of the lamb and to be transformed into the image of this lamb. Fourth, the staff in the image of a scepter served as favor that was spread or stretched out to the person who had who himself had favor. Esther 8.4 And the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther, so Esther arose and stood before the king. From this place of scripture, we see that spreading out the golden scepter in relation to someone was a sign of his favor towards this person. And that is why it's written in Jeremiah 31, 3, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. It, what's interesting is that in Hebrew, the phrase, eat of it in such a way that the staff be in your hand contains the meaning of turning our staff in the direction of God and therefore to hold our staff in our hand during the eating of Pesach meant to direct our favor to God and in doing so express our thanksgiving to Him we are called to be thankful people you know I had paid attention today we sing two songs I thank you Lord a God of Nazareth and uh, Sasha Nasteka saying a lot of words of thanksgiving to God you know, when we sing such beautiful songs, melodies, uh, and in, we ought to pay attention not to the melody itself, but to the words. This is what I have understood for myself, because the words are important, what we are singing about. And I was singing together with everyone. Remember, previously at church, we had oftentimes uh, leader services, and everything was done so beautifully everything there was a lot of food we ate a lot and i am uh, not a huge fan of having a lot at the table i thought i am sharing with my sins i guess you can say about my lack of gratitude I think to myself, well, everything is so beautiful. Everything was prepared in such a way, but the salt is not in this. And once again, when I came out after this kind of fellowship, and sometimes there is like the valley of the shadow of death, there is like this fall. I didn't receive anything from it. And I was thought, oh, these leader services, we eight it was so beautiful why am i feeling this way and you know a dream i had at this night i won't explain in great detail but very quickly i was in a building and pastor and tomorrow there 
And when I was talking with pastor, I didn't see his wife. I know that she's there, but I don't see her. And then all of a sudden she tells me, Dima, why are you not grateful? I tried so hard. All of a sudden, this was, this was uh, in the same night after we had this kind of leadership service. I'm not... I'm talking about my relationship, my lack of gratitude, not about you, uh, Tamara. And in my dream, I all of a sudden feel the heart of pastor's family. I see a kind of service as towards kings and priests, and I'm walking around so unhappy and ungrateful, and I grew so ashamed. It is written that in the last times people will be ungrateful. And all of a sudden I understood that I ought to be grateful. For this I ought to be grateful. For this place we ought to be grateful. That I am today, I have been found here, I must thank God that we have such soft chairs that we all have one another. On the end days, the wicked, who have the outward appearance of godliness but have denied its power, they are going to be ungrateful. But we ought to be grateful. We ought to... And we stretch out this staff to God. Whoever says they love God but do not love the brother next to him, he is a liar. Scripture says that this is a lie, because if you're grateful to God, you're going to express your gratitude to those surrounding, to saints, those that are surrounding, especially to saints. So if we ever have a leadership service again, I am going to be extremely grateful for the plentiful table, whatever table it will be, I will be grateful because the Lord has given me such understanding. I was so ashamed at my behavior before, and I've realized that I will now be grateful. And of His fullness we have all received in grace for grace. This is a trans... A, this is the translation, grace for grace, thanksgiving for thanksgiving, gratitude for gratitude. We express our gratitude to God. He expresses His gratitude. And this is this comes mutually from both ends. Draw near to God and He shall draw near to you. Two sides here. We collaborate and then He responds. We ought to be grateful and stretch out our staff. To have it in our hands means to stretch it out to God, to depend on God, to express our thanksgiving, to sing songs of gratitude to understand what it means to be grateful Lord my prayer today will be deliver me from my ungratitude and make my heart grateful to you and toward your saints and in general a grateful heart is so from which it follows that if we are poorly familiar with how we ought to stretch out our scepter that expresses our favor and our sovereign right in the direction of the scepter of God in His sovereign grace, we will never be able to accept His scepter in the subject of His grace or His favor. And therefore, we will never be able to worthily eat of the Pesach lamb in order to have the inheritance of the life of God that is contained in the worthy partaking of Pesach. Fifth, the name of God in the meaning of rod was called to be one of the forms of weapon for protection as well as offense. Because practically, thanks to the construction and the form of a staff, 
it could serve as a weapon for protection as well as for attack. Isaiah 11, 4. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the bread, breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. We know fully well that in order for God to do something for man and to fulfill his promises for him, it is necessary for God to collaborate with a person through the proclamation of the faith of the heart, which is equal to the words of God that have come from the lips of God. And therefore, this verse ought to be understood this way. He will judge the poor in righteousness in which they are clothed in. This is that we are, which we are doing now. This righteousness that we are clothed in, it is going to coincide and he will judge the works of the poor according to truth which is in their heart, which they have accepted in their heart, and the staff of his lips, of the proclamation of their lips. He will strike the earth, and with the breath of his lips, of the proclamation of the faith of their hearts, he shall slay the wicked, from which it follows that if we are not familiar, if we are poorly familiar with how we ought to protect ourselves with the staff of the lips of God and showing judgment or justice towards the wicked by proclaiming that truth that dwells in our heart, we will never be able to overcome the wicked that rises and stands against us. And in this manner, the Son of God is an example for us. He proclaimed, he said, Woe to you! Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Woe to you, blind leaders, and so forth. He had proclaimed this judgment, and he had released God's judgment upon this earth according to the word that God had opened to him. Without proclaiming with our lips, you will never be able to overcome the wicked. The main wicked is the old man, as we know. This is where our anger ought to be routed toward, and the judgment of God. And if we do not do this, we will never be able to worthily partake of the Pesach lamb in order to have the inheritance of the life of God that is contained in the worthy partaking of Pesach. Sixth, a staff as a reed, a measuring reed, uh, again, was a measuring reed. Ezekiel 40, 30-5. He had a line of flax and a measuring rod in his hand, and he stood in the gateway. And in the man's hand was a measuring rod, six cubits long, each being a cubit and a headbreadth. A measuring rod, again, was, was, it was used to measure, which means that if we are poorly familiar with how we ought to test and examine ourselves, if we are in the faith or not, we will never be able to see what goal we are striving towards. When we come to worship God and to search or to listen to His preached word, we can measure. We can measure ourselves to check for how much we coincide with this word. And therefore, we will never be able to worthily partake of the basic lamb if we don't understand this, so that we can inherit the eternal life of God that is contained in the worthy partaking of Pesach. This is the preached word of God that comes from the lips of God. And you know, notice 
that each time uh, one pastor takes this word and repeats it, but each time it is modified and as if it's updated, if we say it in English, it is renewed. It has new thoughts. And how ready we are when we come to hear the word of God. Thus, he renews this word for us and specifically for those people who had brought their hearts before God. There are 10 total. We will read one more seventh and then we will conclude and we will pray. If the Lord allows us, we will perhaps in the future continue to go over it. But right now we will read the seventh definition and the name of God and the dignity of a staff is called to be for us uh, the weapon of our comfort when we go through the valley of the shadow of death. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It is in the hand, it is turned to God. This staff, this rod, it is the rod of God. In this case, the divine staff and rod is the revelation of God regarding the, the purpose of the valley of destruction and And having first stepped into the darkness of this valley, we will not be able to see the blessings, but still we have information that behind all of our temporary losses, God stands. Our feelings tell us something different, but we have information, we have knowledge, we have the word, the word that we have accepted. Of course, in the literal sense, this does not mean that God has sent all of these upon us, but this means that He has allowed these things to come upon us. For what goal? Because He knows that on one hand, He who suffers in the flesh stops sinning, so that the rest of the flesh and time in this body, one could live not according to the human lust, but according to the will of God. Sufferings come for this purpose. That's one side. And on the other side, he also knows that having been tested, a person will receive the crown of life. God wants to crown a person, to give him this crown. There are two sides. James 1.12, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved or tested, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The result of us going through this valley of the shadow of death in which we find comfort in the rod and the staff of God is going to be life. Life, comfort, joy, satisfaction in life. That is why all the righteous endure all kinds of slander, rumors, all kinds of shame uh, from the direction of their neighbors and others because God has prepared for something for them that is even greater even greater than that which they will lose in these sufferings. Psalms 84, 5-7 Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion, from which 
It follows that if we are not familiar or if we're poorly familiar with how we ought to, through our walk through the valley of the shadow of death, how we ought to comfort ourselves through a trust in God, then in this valley we are going to fall as bones, just as the many people of Israel, having left out of Egypt, had fallen as bones in the wilderness. And therefore, we will never be able to worthily partake of the pace of calamity in order to have the inheritance of the life of God that is contained in the worthy partaking of Pesach. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your mercy, for your grace, for the grace that is found in your basic lamb, in your word, in your life, in your church, in your order. You have made life and peace. You have made great contained great blessings you have contained victory over death victory over all kinds of circumstances over all kinds of illnesses over all kinds of powers of darkness you have made us capable to eat of this lamb and fulfilling the statute to be made victorious, you have said, I will give to him who is victorious to sit on the throne as I uh, sat with my father on the throne. But for this, you placed us in the church. You outlined the limits of our service, our purpose, the time during which we are called to bring fruit and you have given us that holy place which we can tie ourselves to to become partakers of the root to eat from the olive tree to drink from the olive tree to eat of this preached word to illuminate your beauty to come from strength to strength, power to power, to be taught all kinds of wisdom and to be taught by you. I thank you for this high honor to be taught by you. Teach, Lord, teach your servants, those who hear this word. Teach those who are not found in this place who might hear this word allow us through attention to your commandments to be made partakers of this service and to become partakers of the root and drink from the olive tree we thank you for this preached word that comes from your lips. We rejoice that we are able to offer fruit, the fruit of holiness, the fruit of humility, to offer ourselves and to present ourselves in obedience 
and those commandments and instructions that you give us from this place. May our pastor be blessed, your messenger, and may his household be blessed. May the word in his lips be blessed. May his heart be filled with joy and revelations. We firmly know and have understood that you have prepared for us a great future and you give us this great present to be a part of Zion on earth a part of your house to step into this blessed inheritance here on earth in time to enter through the narrow gates to understand your order to build ourselves in order to show obedience and to with trembling to fall at your feet so that we can hear your words so that you can lead us into the promised land and clothe us into the new body we thank you for this precious promise that we have accepted on this place at this place and we thank you for it and we call the inexistent as existent and we believe that this day is near when we shall rejoice and praise you being here in our new bodies in renewed bodies in our imperishable bodies here on this earth before we are going to be raptured to meet with the Lord in the air We thank you for this precious gift. We are going to tremble before this precious gift. And we ask you to fill your vessel for the following sermons, services on Friday and Sunday. And we on our end will keep our hearts from all sin, from uncleanliness, and prepare our heart to hearing your word. We worship you and thank you, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we will conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with unblemished joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.